Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. If you like today's episode, visit my website at narctroopers.com. You're going to find a lot of resources there and information about how to connect to me for personal sessions for recovery. I also have a live webinar coming up where you can meet me and two other mental health professionals on November 5th at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. That would be November 5th, 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. I will be sending out the link in my Medium articles and at the end of the podcast so that you can check in with me. Today's topic is a little bit... um, different. It's a little bit of prose because sometimes I think we need to pause on the academic exploration of what all this means and just have a little heartfelt reflective moment where we feel our feelings, let them flow through us, and in doing so we release them and begin to heal. Title of today's podcast is called Hollow. This is Prose to Expose. It's a series of bits of prose written as if it were a short story or a novel, and it explores different topics. So for me, almost three years and four months after the discard, um, I want to talk about hollow, H-O-L-L-O-W, being hollow. So here we go. I am that old dog, the loyal dog. You know the one, the one that is driven out into the country, into the middle of nowhere, and turned loose, abandoned, left behind, confused and scared, and sitting stupidly in the middle of the road as the owner drives away and disappears in a cloud of dust. I am that old dog, the faithful dog. You know the one, the one that will walk a thousand miles across the country like those poor bastards in the Incredible Journey movie, you know, those three animals, the two dogs and a cat, sassy, that bunch, you know. They faced life and death, danger, just to get back to their owner. Like them, by the grace of God or some other cruel deity, the dog finally gets back to the house, but it is long abandoned. There's no happy ending this time. It's vacant. It's empty. The owners have disappeared. So the dog sits and waits for the owner to return, but no one comes back. And yet the dog just waits forever until starvation and thirst consume it. Still believing this whole time that at any minute their master will turn the corner and drive up to the house and everything will be okay. Everything will be as it was before. I am that old dog. Many of us are. We spend our lives trying to get back to the partner with narcissistic disorder, and we wait, hopelessly hoping they will return. My former husband, 
the mentally unwell one who slept beside me every night for 15 years. He told me about what he and his mother did to a dog they had once. Together, they drove into the middle of nowhere, down dusty county roads, into the countryside, and they put the dog out of the car. Then they just drove away. That's what they did, and they were okay about doing it. In horror and disbelief, I wailed about how that poor dog must have suffered terrible and prolonged death, abandoned, starving, confused, thirsty, predators all about, cars speeding by. How could they do something so cruel and inhumane? After railing on about this for some time, I sat and I stared at his complete lack of remorse, regret, recognition, or even compassion or mercy. Nothing. He had nothing, not a shred of empathy. Blankness, that's what they are. Hollow. It all makes sense now. I should have seen the writing on the wall. You know, someday I would be that unwanted inconvenience that gets dumped by the side of the road like trash, like a used object left for dead and immediately forgotten. Earlier this week, I had a diagnostic procedure that required general anesthesia. In the moments after the propofol and fentanyl began flowing into my veins, instead of slipping into a sweet nothingness, something deep inside of me called out to him. The man who abandoned a 15-year marriage because he's ravaged by NPD. Something in me summoned him, and for those just seconds, which seemed like hours, before I slipped away into the ether, I felt his hand in mine. His warm, fat palm and his long fingers intertwined with mine. He was with me as I slipped away into the fog that should have been twilight anesthesia to figure out why I can't eat anything, at least without not, you know, significant pain. But for me, they brought out all the heavy drugs required for general anesthesia due to a diagnosis in my medical charts. And what was that diagnosis? Trauma-induced PTSD, panic disorder, and acute anxiety. Yeah, that's what happened to me after the discard. And they said because I had those conditions for the past three years, that they could not allow the light anesthesia and the twilight option would not be an option for me. I must go under completely. Well, it was an endoscopy and uh, it went okay. But you know, he was with me as we stepped into that, that land of unconsciousness and we did it hand in hand. 
When I came home, I immediately fell asleep and slept for hours, finally awakening with tears and thoughts about how he came to me in those moments, which could have been my last. I know people don't die from endoscopies uh, as diagnostic procedures and stuff, but you know, it, it could have been. Theoretically, general anesthesia is sort of like dying. And so this was like a trial run or something. It was like, it seemed like a death. You close your eyes and you lose consciousness. You're in that sleep, that sleep that sometimes people don't come back from. Is this a preview of what my actual death is going to bring? A summoning of this of the dead to return to my bedside and usher me into the next world? He was always a ghost. So I suppose it's a fitting task for a ghost. Narcissists are specters that dwell in those regions. Something outside of reality. Somewhere beyond, um, beyond the realm of the living. And, you know, even though they have a corporeal body, they do not really dwell among us. They are creatures of another time and space. I suspect that many mentally ill people live there in that place, far beyond the reaches of people like you and I. Research says that the longer you stay with them, the more impact it has on you in a very core and fundamental way. You change. You become mutually psychotic in the shared fantasy and more narcissistic yourself as your core is hollowed out, scooped out like a pumpkin so that they can create a nest inside of you. I was a writer long before I met him. I wrote under the pen name Lily Lewis and I published a book called The Last Mermaid Princess. I wrote poetry. I published scholarly articles for journals and periodicals. I was an English teacher and I taught at the college level for quite a few years. And you know, they have that whole publisher parish uh, thing going on. So I had to write articles like that. But now when I write, I write about narcissism and my lived experience being married to one for 15 years. I write about it as if I'm writing prose or poetry. I hope that creates something powerful and meaningful that connects you to me as a kindred spirit. It resonates with you and it's evocative. Um, there's another person floating aimlessly in the deep and endless blue and that's me floating with you. You know, there are sharks in these deep waters. They swim up to us from time to time, but we see them now in ways we did not recognize a predatory creature before this thing happened to us. We may not be afraid, but that in itself is worthy of concern, isn't it? Why, why are we so fearless now? Is it because we're numb? Is it because something died in us? 
Is it because we lost everything that mattered to us and there's nothing else to lose? And when you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to fear because you don't care about anything. Um, perhaps fear would be the better response over resignation and that occasional secret wish that they would just go ahead and get it over with, you know? You don't want to be here anymore. Drug addicts in recovery love to retell their glory stories of their best high or their, you know, other delicious memory of their drug choice, drug of choice. You know, they, they get a dopamine hit just talking about it, reliving it for those few moments. It is the same dynamic following narcissistic relationships. They're victims. And this means, by the way, the person they victimized. It's not a label of endless victimhood. just want to clarify that. Um, you know, the, the, their victims <coughs> will gather and recount the countless ways their narcissist abused them and ruined their lives. When they began the he-he-he talk, we're not laughing. He, he, he. That's talking about him, him, him. It's, it's excavating black blood clots left behind by their predator abuser. The chemicals start to flow and they relive that intense drug that, that flooded their brains and bodies when the narcissist performed their dark magic on them. That intermittent reinforcement. The push-pull. Yeah, I've been guilty of it myself. But it has been nearly two years now since I have spoken his name. I won't say it. He who shall not be named. And I ask others to re refrain from saying it too. He has become Voldemort. And there's a reason for it. Esteemed Cluster B writer and friend of mine, Robert Torbay, he said it best when he said, You have decided to appease evil, but evil cannot be appeased, for it is the nature of evil to attack the vulnerable. Offer your hand, and it will be bitten. Bear your throat, and it shall be slashed. You have committed the sin of whoring after your own heart. Who are you to justify their evil? Who are you to conceal their wickedness, to call good evil and evil good? Most narcads trade away their lives for sex with the immoral. Narcissists are dyed in the wool evil. They are narcissists because they love the thrill of hurting and fooling others. Narcissism has nothing to do with being shy or vulnerable or sensitive about shame. That's you. Narcissism is all about abusing power. Never forgive them and never say their name again. Now, I think Robert is a brilliant man. He's a genius. 
Um, and he's got a clever way with words that is quite um, engaging. And I think that there's truth in, in most of these words, right? There's truth in Robert's advice. You know, I learned early on that I could not say his name, that it triggered something powerful in me, and all of these feelings flooded back until I was drowning. So I will never speak it again. I will do exactly what Robert said, and um, I will never speak it again. In moments when I forget what he did in the end, what he had always done all along, and how he did it repeatedly without mercy, I remember a gentle, adorable, patient, charming, courteous man who stroked fuzzy caterpillars with graceful, tender fingers, who held our cat, Sylvester, and pet him with such sweetness, who gave me piggyback rides across the pool, who cuddled up beside me every night with his hands resting upon me. When I remember those things, wow, it just blows me away because there was a side to him that was so perfect, so kind, so loving, so intimate. It seemed like, it felt like, but you know, that wasn't, that was false, that wasn't true. I, then I remembered the things he did, the morally deficient, reckless, impulsive, and perverse, the hurtful, harmful, and horrific. Then I remember that he's a thief of my dreams and a murderer of souls. At what point does their illness, their broken brains, their sick delusions and twisted reality justify their endless blame shifting and revision of, of history, the cold, cruel smirk as they slide the knife ever so gently between your ribs, the complete lack of remorse as they destroy you and burn your life to the ground, then erase you completely as if you never existed. Be advised that you can become a clone of them, a narcissist. They can change you so much, but it's like they have murdered you and tried to make you like them, empty on the inside. When they leave, the emptiness remains, the nothingness, the absence of being. Three years later, three years and four months later, I feel shame, and he still lives in my brain and my body. Three years and four months after a savage, unexpected, out-of-the-blue discard, followed by harsh punishment that I had done nothing to deserve, my empathetic nature, toxic bond of cellular and chemical addiction to him, energetic, um, etheric soul ties, trauma embedded through every cell in my body, invasive introjects in my head like parasites eating my identity and my brain and my authentic voice, 
and even Stockholm syndrome, brainwashed mind, all these like, you know, being cultivized, like I was in a cult, all these things kept me tethered to someone I am so ashamed to have sacrificed both my life and the life of my entire family. Year after year after year, I chose him over everyone else. And it's a shame, like being married for decades to a serial killer who buried bodies under the house. I feel like Elizabeth Smart or Patty Hearst or countless others who were hijacked and lost their lives to their captors, even though they kept on living after they were set free. How do you get past something like that? So the next time I go under general anesthesia, I'm going to try to think about my children, my family, puppies, kitties, ocean sunsets, wind in the trees, dance recitals over the years that I've done, or maybe just chocolate fudgy warm cake with ice cream. I, I won't open my hand and imagine that he is there to take it. I will not allow him to co-opt my last breath before death or the practice deaths like the anesthesia. I'm going to fight it. I have to fight it because that man that I think I still love and long for and crave in those intimate moments, he was always hollow. He was hollow. His sickness makes him dangerous, and it makes me sick, too. And it poisons everyone who loves me, everyone that I love, anyone close to me. Someone told me shortly after this happened in the aftermath when I was absolutely crumbling and collapsing in on myself. They said, we can't be close to you right now because you're on fire. And if we get close to you, we're terrified. We're scared that we're going to get burned. And they did. And they stepped away. And they left. And invitations were withdrawn. Doors were closed. Shutters were closed. You know, shades let down. I could hear the little locks in the, in the doors clicking all around me. People saying, no, no. You know, after all of that, I feel hollow. I lost everything, everything because of him, from pets to jobs to children to family to respect, to friends, to my home, my house, my property, my, my things. I lost my mind. I lost my faith in love, my trust in people. I lost everything. And, you know, and so I feel hollow. 
he did that to me and I let him I let him I encouraged him even stay stay with me I would say and so I think that's all I need to know moving forward whatever I do I will do it alone and I will not let him come back to me in those moments when I take that last breath my one wish is that it's not him that I reach for that I don't close my eyes and imagine him there because then if I do that I am surrendering to the dark side I am surrendering to sickness and evil and 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 fantasy because it's not even real it's not real they're ghosts and if you stay too long like I did when it's over you won't have anything nothing left of your identity of yourself or of anything or anyone that matters to you you will have nothing nothing don't let that happen to you if you know what they are get out stay out save yourself it is more powerful and more destructive then you can see when you're in that bubble when you're in that fantasy when you're in that mutual psychosis you can't see it you can't see the trees for the forest but once you've been cast out of paradise out of that garden out of that magical surrealistic fantasy and you come crashing back to reality back down to earth you will see that the cost of living in that fantasy with that person just to get the moments of bliss that come between the moments of torture and horror you know none of it's real and you know it but then it's too late so that's my message for this cautionary tale it's a story about me someone who was too weak to too many childhood woundings bad scripting attachment disorders abandonment issues all of that too too many of those things going on to be able to get up and get out I couldn't do it I stayed too long so don't let that happen to you that's the message of this cautionary tale don't let that happen to you because if you stay years maybe decades there won't be anything left of you you will be hollow just like them
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.